When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, helping us kick off Bark Week. We're focusing on Baker Mayfield this week. So to start things off, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I dive into what we should expect from Baker Mayfield in 2021. Of course, he finished 2020 so strong and we want to know what's different this time from 2018 and what's a reasonable expectation for Baker as he goes into his fourth year in the league. As always, make sure you check out Football Insider because a lot of that stuff that goes up for Bard Week this week is going to be behind that Football Insider wall and you want to be able to read it. So click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get information and get all signed up for Football Insider. Okay, here we go. Starting off your week with our Monday podcast. And away we go on a Monday here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko. We are kicking off Bark Week with Baker Mayfield. This is our third Bark Week. We've done Miles Garrett, Odell Beckham Jr., and now we are on to Baker Mayfield. And I wanted to kick this week off by trying to set some expectations for Baker as he heads into year number four. Uh, Had a really good finish to his third season, won a playoff game in Pittsburgh, put up some really great numbers from about, I guess the Jacksonville game is where you really kind of start. The numbers kind of blew up. They got out of the bad weather, uh, went down to Jacksonville, and he started putting up some big numbers. Let's try and set some expectations for Baker Mayfield. Let's start here. We saw what happened in the first let's say eight games. Okay. Then there was the weather. There were the weather games and there were, there were the last six. Did we see the real Baker Mayfield this season? You know, it's probably not what we saw in the first part of the season, but is that second part of the season? Is that the real Baker Mayfield that we saw? Do you guys think? You know what? I think it's, it's getting close to what the, the real Baker Mayfield can accomplish in this offense. Once they finally figured out what he does well, once they pared down the playbook a little bit to, uh, to you know, kind of maximize his abilities and his skills, I think uh, it really helped bring out the best in him. From, from week seven on, he was the second highest graded quarterback by PFF. So I, I do think that that bodes well for the future. But I also think uh, that there are a lot of other things to consider here. And that before people raise their expectations too sky high, uh, that, that we should at least kick around the notion of some of these other things uh, that, that could be factors. And I have a number of those in my mind, but I'll just throw out one of them right now. And that is the fact that teams will have a book on him. Teams will have a book on what he is in this offense, what Kevin Stefanski might do with him. And, you know, that might just mean that he has to take it up a notch next year so that that teams don't know all of his tendencies and try to take away what he does well. I came away from the first four, well, with the four game winning streak at the beginning of the year, I came away from that thinking, all right, this is the new Baker Mayfield. He's not going to throw as much, but he'll be, uh, he'll have a good completion percentage. And he, you know, he really did 
especially for the first Cincinnati game, the Washington game. But then you got into some situations where maybe the running game didn't work so well, and he had to kind of rise above that. And it took a while to get there. You know, we saw it in Tennessee where he he really had a huge game, and he had to throw a lot more against the Giants. Had to throw a lot more in Week 17. You know, it just the way the schedule worked and the way this, the games worked down the stretch. He just seemed to have to do more, and he did better with it. So I'm not sure. Like now, when I think back to the season, like what what which was the real Baker Mayfield or which was the most ideal for this team? Is it the guy who had to throw 30 sometimes uh, and, and, and make some huge plays or is it the guy who's going to throw 25 times, be real efficient and they're, they're going to, you know, r- run off a few wins. I, I have to think Stefanski maybe prefers the, 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 the less throwing Baker Mayfield, but we saw that he can be the guy who goes out there and wins you a game or two. And I think that's important that he, that he progressed to that later in the season. So I think maybe we need to tackle this question too, because there are some similarities here. We saw how 2018 went and how that ended. And we came out of 2018 and it was sky high. I mean, we were talking about this the other day. We did a whole Baker Mayfield week. This wasn't like a bark week. This was like a whole Baker Mayfield. How has everything changed series uh, leading into that season? Everybody was sky high on Baker Mayfield. And then 2019 happened for, and, and for a lot of reasons, it didn't go well. And now there were questions again. Now we're coming out of 2020 with a lot of the same things, right? Baker had a great finish to the season. They actually made the playoffs this time. They won a playoff game. I thought he played pretty well in Kansas City. So you're feeling good about it. What's different? And, and if there's anything that's similar to you, can point that out. But what? Why is the end of 2020 not like the end of 2018, where this is going to be able to build? There's probably some obvious reasons, and there might be some not-so-obvious reasons. Well, I think the most obvious reason is Kevin Stefanski. Okay? I think he, he came in here, and he brought a very sound, proven system. Uh, really, it's the Gary Kubiak system, handed down from Mike Shanahan, and it's the system that Kyle Shanahan uses that we've seen here. Uh, and, and it's basically, it's obviously what the, the Vikings use. So it's, it's a very proven system and Baker is excelling in that system. And he did so in the second half of the season. So I think that's, what's different is that they have a plan. Uh, I think that's probably the number one thing is that they have, uh, you know, they know where they're going. They have the roadmap of this and now they can build on what they were able to do in the second half of the season. Alex Van Pelt, and Kevin Stefanski can add some things in. They can probably take a few things out. And uh, I think that's the main difference. Yeah, I mean, we all knew what this offense was going to be before Kevin Stefanski got this team on the field. And, you know, going into 2019, we all remember training camp. They were still trying to figure things out. And nobody was really sure what it was supposed to look like even. And that makes a difference. So I think, yeah, you had the play caller coming back, but you had a guy who was going to be calling plays in kind of a different look, you know, whereas Kevin Stefanski called these plays in Minnesota and you were pretty certain that you're going to see something really similar here with the Browns. So that's why I think maybe you, you look at the end of this season a little differently because Kevin Stefanski's coming back. The offense is coming back. You know, Alex Van Pelt, all these people around Baker are going to be back and, continuity matters and and it feels alignment and continuity and continuity those are kind of the two big words right it feels like coming into this season they identified what it was going to take to make baker mayfield successful the system 
you know, bigger personnel, all of that stuff, give him more opportunities for bootlegs. Mary Kay, we've talked to about kind of how things maybe changed during the bye week and everything was kind of centered around making Baker Mayfield successful. It's really hard to do that when you're coming out of 2018 and, you know, John Dorsey finally gets to hire a coach. He ends up picking Freddie Kitchens and gets it completely wrong. It's just really hard. There's no continuity. There's no stability and there's no organization there. I mean, they tried to turn this into an air raid offense, right? They hired Todd Munkin and that didn't fit Freddie Kitchens or Baker Mayfield it felt like they kind of knew what they wanted to get into. And on top of that, they brought in a coaching staff that really wanted to coach and teach Baker Mayfield. And that kind of goes to Alex Van Pelt a little bit too, who drew a pretty strong line in his introductory press conference. We're going to fix Baker's footwork. And I think that was a big step too, is getting Baker back to being the thrower that he was and not just a guy that was completely lost in an offense. His mechanics were out of whack. Everything kind of centered around getting him right last season. And that's all coming back this year. Yeah, it is all coming back this year. And that was uh, one of the major differences also in getting Baker uh, to perform the way that he did in 2020. They made a concerted effort in every single way, shape, and form to support this quarterback uh, with, first and foremost, an offensive line. By going out and getting Jack Conklin and making sure that Wyatt Teller was back and drafting Jedrick Wills. That was probably uh, the, the best thing that they could have done for Baker Mayfield is to build up that offensive line. Some of that came from Ryan Grigson, uh, the former general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, who learned from his mistakes in Indy. He, he did not protect Andrew Luck enough, and Andrew had to, had to retire because of injuries. Now their offensive line is good because a little bit late, he started building it there, and now they have a good offensive line. Uh, but that was the number one thing that he just jumped on the, the table for here is building that offensive line. I, I just don't think you, that you can say enough about that one aspect of what they did. Do you remember back when right after uh, they, they fired uh, Freddie, Jimmy Haslam had a press conference and he came out and said that they want to put Baker in positions where he can succeed. He said, if Baker's better out of a certain formation or a certain player, we're going to try to put him in position where he can be successful. And he was talking about analytics and how you use data to make better decisions. This group really has a grasp of that versus, you know, the previous regime and coaching staff. Uh, back in 2018, Baker was one of the best in the NFL out of 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field. And the Browns used it a ton in Todd Haley's offense, like 14% of their plays with 13 personnel. Then the next year with Freddie Kitchens in charge that dropped down to 3% of their plays. The Baker was still good, but it's like they, they didn't recognize that that was something that maybe they should try to do more of. Now, Kevin Stefanski in the building, it's back up to 14%. They ran it more than anybody in the NFL. So they, they, they want to put Baker in those positions where he showed that he can be successful. And, you know, that's, that's one example. And they, that's why I think going into 2021 and even coming out of the bye week this year, I mean, they seem to recognize what works, what doesn't, and, and they go off that. And, and that even goes above the coaching staff that goes to the front office because they, they built this thing to work that way. You know, when you go out and you trade for Odell Beckham jr. And a year earlier, you traded for Jarvis Landry and you bring in Todd Munkin, you're not doing all that stuff to run 13 personnel 
or 12 personnel. You're doing that stuff because you want to be a more open offense. You maybe want to, you're maybe looking at Oklahoma and thinking, oh, maybe we want this to look a little, a little more like it did when Baker was at Oklahoma. This group hasn't done that. This group went out, they signed Austin Hooper. They drafted a tight end. They didn't trade David Njoku when he wanted out. Uh, they traded for a fullback. They, they did all this stuff to build a system that would fit Kevin Stefanski and fit what you were talking about, Scott, as well. And it's sort of why I always, you know, when we talk about the wide receivers, you got to be careful because this isn't, this roster isn't going to suddenly come back next year and look like a roster where they're going to run 11 personnel 80% of the time. It's, it's going to be the same offense because they've found a formula that works. And again, that, that's where that alignment comes from, where you have a front office and a coaching staff that understand what they need and how it needs to look. And, and they're both doing the same things together now. And that, that, that was their goal. And that comes from, I mean, that sounds a lot like a Paul D. Podesta thing, right? When Jimmy Haslam says that, it sounds like he's basically reading off something Paul, Paul D. Podesta probably wrote him. Is our discussion any different if the Browns lose week 17 to Pittsburgh? If Mason Rudolph hits that two-point conversion throw and the Browns lose in overtime? Are we discussing Baker at least even just a little bit differently if they lose that game and don't make the playoffs, I, I guess the, you know, an easier way to ask it is how much do those two playoff games kind of inform how we talk about Baker right now? I, I think it's huge. I think making the playoffs changed the whole vibe about the team, about Baker. I mean, if, if they had not made the playoffs, I think the discussion then turns to what went wrong, what went wrong, what went wrong. And it would be about they couldn't uh, they couldn't beat Baltimore they couldn't beat Pittsburgh uh, you know they didn't do this they didn't do that Baker Mayfield you know didn't necessarily fare well against a top tier defense in, in a lot of cases or they didn't beat enough winning teams I mean the whole vibe would have been sort of dissecting what went wrong and what do they have to do uh, to get into the playoffs now of course we're talking now about like what do you have to do to advance further into the playoffs but I just think it would have changed everything and it was a very narrow trip into the postseason it was very narrow okay I mean who knows even to this day if if the Steelers would have lost that game at First Energy Stadium had they not rested so many of their starters maybe they still would have lost but but I think there would have the the conversation and the tone would have been completely different right now I agree. I, I personally wouldn't be talking about Baker any different. I think he did enough during the regular season leading up to that game to number one, be the guy going forward. And number two, to come away knowing that he'd gotten better during the season. But I do agree that winning the playoff game and, and just you know, getting into the playoffs is huge for him uh, from a perspective standpoint. But beyond that, I think if they had lost that Pittsburgh game in week 17, we'd be talking about Joe Woods or the defense right now, I think more than maybe we, we had been, but I, for me, it didn't really change much. I, I think if it does anything, it takes a burden off. Cause now you're not going into year four thinking, man, when, when is Baker going to lead this team to the playoffs? Whether that's fair to put it that way or not, that's what everybody would be saying. I think it takes that burden off. And now, like you said, Mary Kay, the focus turns to you've crossed that line. Now, now how do you get to the next the next one. Now, how do you get to that next mark, which is what, you know, winning the AFC and, and then from there winning the Super Bowl, all of that stuff. So 
let's get into expectations for Baker Mayfield. His numbers over the last six weeks, which I keep referencing, uh, six games, 65.16% completion percentage, which is pretty good. And then the rest of these numbers are outstanding. Uh, 1,713 yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception, a 103.4 rating. You look at these numbers outside of the completion percentage, most of those numbers are top five in a lot of cases if you projected them out to a full season with land baker in the top five in a lot of those statistical categories you mentioned mary Kay. was it over the final seven weeks that he was the number two graded quarterback by pff mm-hmm. yes so so that's all pretty lofty or from from week seven from week seven on yeah from week seven on he was the yeah. number two graded quarterback by pff right that's lofty <laughs> that's yes should we expect that from Baker next season to be at that level for 16 games or is it too soon? And we're not saying he can't do it. We're just saying, is it too soon to expect it to happen next season? This is where I sometimes try to rein in the expectations a little bit. I tried to do it a little bit after the 2018 rookie season. And I was, you know, I said some things that people didn't necessarily want to hear about what happened in the final eight games of 2018, that they played a lot of very weak defenses and, and that's meaningful. And I, I think that, that they need to take a look at that again. There were some pretty phenomenal games and some of those were against some really good defenses. So I think it's, it's not the same as it was in 2018, but some of those statistics did come against, I mean, even the Titans defense was like 28th or something like that, right? Some of the defenses, again, down the stretch and throughout the season were not the best. Some of the the best performances, some of the biggest stats games, you know, came against the Cincinnati Bengals and, you know, teams that were struggling to, you know, to win games. So I do think uh, that we need to, to, once again, be willing to look at some of those things you know, how many, how many winning teams did he beat or did they beat uh, the strength of schedule going forward? And Scott has written about this. They have a tough schedule next year. They really do. I mean, it's, it's pretty legit. Of course, we're not sure who the quarterbacks are all going to be all over the place. That's all up in the air. But for the most part, heading into this, the schedule appears to be tougher than it was last year if even just by virtue of having to go on the road and play Kansas city and green Bay and also the Cardinals, right? If the, is that one going to be on the road? I'm not sure if that's at home or on the road, but nevertheless, they will be playing the Cardinals and that's not an easy, uh, that's not going to be an easy game. So the strength of schedule is going to be significantly different than last year. And therefore I do think that people need to be a little bit careful about expectations and about them winning 13 games and all that I mean I guess my expectations is to to see a quarterback who's got a command of his offense and to have to see weapons around Baker who also have a good understanding of what they're supposed to be doing to help make him better and you know we saw over the first half of the season that wasn't always the case as far as you know where he might be graded or or yardage and and percentages and stuff like that it's Mary Kay's right that the the schedule is going to have a lot to do with that. The defense he's going to be playing is going to have a lot to do with that. But I think just 
man, going through an off season, knowing that you're going to have the same offense and being able to build on that. Cause this offense does have to evolve. It's not like they're going to come out and just start running the same stuff. They have to do different things because they kind of hit the wall there against the chiefs. So there will be new things. The stuff he's already got in his back pocket is huge. I'm not sure what my expectations are about, about uh, how, how good this team is or how good he's going to be. I just know that it's going to be better than it was any other season he's been with the Browns. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's hard to frame it. It's hard to put those. I don't, I don't feel like I need to come away from next season thinking Baker Mayfield is a top five quarterback. Now I want, I don't want to come away feeling like, Oh, he's a top half of the league quarterback. I want to see him trending. I want to feel like it's pointing in that direction, but I don't feel like I have to put him in the same sentence as a Mahomes, a Watson, a Wilson just yet. I, I'm, you know, I, I'll still give him time on that. I just want to see him build on what we saw over those last six games, which, like I said, you project those last six games, you're talking about a top five quarterback statistically. So I don't necessarily mean he has to match that statistically, but I just want to see him be the quarterback that you can consistently win with. Like you said, Scott, take those next steps in this offense, have a command of the offense, and then let's see where we're at after next season. If we're saying he's a top five quarterback, great. If we're saying he's a top 10 quarterback, that, that's probably where I would place it. I'd like to say he's a top 10 quarterback by most measurements. And, and I know there's a lot of different ways to look at that, but I think that's kind of where I'd like to come away. And maybe, are we saying that already? Is he already in that discussion as a top 10 guy? I don't know. Where do we rank him on our quarterback draft? I can't remember. <laughs> I think, I think, we, I think he just came out outside, of 11. I think he it was just outside the top 10. Yeah. But then you're talking about, like I took Ryan Tannehill ahead of him. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody would say I'm crazy for that. So maybe in maybe maybe he already is in that tier, and maybe we're just not ready to quite put him there yet. <laughs> well, you know what? Here here's the other thing to to think about. I don't think we know yet, and I think that's why next year is uh, is such a a key year for him because this year was all about learning. The first half of the season was like preseason, right? I mean, it was putting it all together and seeing what you have. I mean, this second year in a scheme, when you know your personnel, when you know Austin Hooper, you know Alex Van Pelt, you know what he's going to call. They know him and vice versa. I think this is the year uh, where they will get a really, really good idea of just exactly what Baker is and what he's capable of. I mean, when, when you talk, Scott, about that it's going to have to evolve, I agree with you 100%. Think about this. Who would have ever thought that Sean McVay and Jared Goff would be divorced by now and right. And that they, you know, that they just can't get along because it's not working. Right. I mean, there's no way that anybody would have expected that to happen. So you have to keep evolving. You have to keep changing because they, you know, it seems like they did catch up to a little bit of what they were doing. And that's what we have to see in 2020 teams, defensive coordinators, they didn't really know exactly what this was all going to look like, how they were going to use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb together. But for the most part, you're returning your, your whole varsity. You know what I mean? Like you've got everybody coming back and you really can build on that. And as I mentioned before, and, and I think as we saw in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, the offensive line is so vitally important. And, and health is another very key thing. Baker was able, for the most part, to have most of his guys around him, and he was healthy too. I mean, the only major injury 
that they suffered, you know, big season ending injury was Odell Beckham Jr. Halfway through the season. And of course that's a big one. Uh, but had you lost for a, any length of time, you know, Jack Conklin, I mean, look, the, the chiefs were playing without their two starting tackles in the super. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. Right. So health is a key factor and returning the key components of this offense that helped him and helped them achieve what they did. I think that's huge. I figured out what I want to see from, from Baker. Next Ooh, good. Do, you, do you remember 2007, the Browns go 10 and five or 10 and six, they missed the playoffs the next year. It, it was basically the same situation. They had the same group coming back. The very first preseason game against the jets <laughs> first, first possession of that, of that, First preseason game, they just march right down the field. Nine plays, like Derek Anderson's, like five of five, and throws a touchdown. It was just smooth. Like if they hit a third down, it was like short. But it was just they came out and it looked like this team was ready to roll. Like that's what I want to see from this team when they when they whether it's preseason, well, it probably have to be preseason. However many games they play, I just want to see them come out and look like they know, like they have a firm grasp of what they're supposed to do, and then go out and do it look like a team that, that's kind of picking up where they left off. Even for, you know, whether it's the whole offense or just Baker in general, that's kind of, I think, a good starting point for, for what we should expect from this team in 2021. And, or, and, and of course, a preseason win. Those are important. <laughs> or, or like the Ravens looked in week one this year. Not that the Browns have to win the game by 30, because we don't know who, even know who they're going to play. But, right, you, you know, you don't want to peak week one. Ravens, for example, you don't want to peak week one, but I'm sure for Ravens fans, it was very encouraging when they came out and they just looked like the team that knew what they were doing while the Browns were still trying to figure things out with no off season, no preseason, all of that. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think, I think that's a good, a good measuring stick is just be the team that looks like, you know, who you are. And I, I think we should be pretty confident they can do that. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about the actual extension itself. This this week. So, so let's save that the extension itself talk for another pod. Mm -hmm. But what I do want to ask is do your, do your expectations change if the Browns make the decision to extend Baker this off season, or is that just a matter of that ah, they extended him? I know Mary Kay, you've said you'd wait for me. I expect it to happen. I think for you, you, you said you would wait, Scott. I don't know what, what you think, but if they extend him, does that change your expectations? Does he have to be better because of that? Or is that just sort of like housekeeping? It was time to pay him, so they paid him. Yeah, I don't think the extension per, per se would change my expectations of what, uh, what I think he should be on the field. I just think that it's just a pivotal year for him uh, to, to really show that he can overcome all the things that are going to be coming at him this year. And, and that will include defense once again defense is digging in I, I didn't think this year that they faced a ton of defenses that really pressured a lot I mean there, there just weren't a whole ton of I mean like even Chase Young you know left that game early they didn't have a whole lot of guys and I they might not next year either have to face a whole lot of guys that can really get after you and they also have an offensive line that can prevent a lot of that from happening but uh, I just think he's going to have to get better at reading defenses He's going to have to get better at everything. He's just going to have to pick up his game. And that that's what I expect him to do. And they are not going to, they are not going to stand pat. Kevin Stefanski uh, wanted them to sit with that playoff loss and he wanted them to feel it. And he wanted them to remember it. And he charged everyone with going out 
and, and getting better in, in every way. His coaches, you know, come back and bring me, you know, some new plays, new schemes, new thoughts, new ideas, challenge the players to go out and, and, you know, and get better, get faster, get stronger. And then of course, there will be different personnel in some cases. We, we don't even know for sure what exactly the receiver room is going to look like, but the extension would not change my expectations. My expectations are that Baker Mayfield has to take his game to an even higher level this year because it will be harder. Yeah, I don't think the, expect, the extension or, or whatever they decide to do changes anything really, whether it's the option or, or extending him because the clock's ticking and you know he's going to be here however he's getting paid. And you already have certain other guys, important key players under contract. You know, you, you got Miles taken care of. I mean, the time's now. So whether whether they pick up the extension now or, or in a year, it, it doesn't really matter. It's, it'll matter to, you know, the Yahoo's on ESPN who want to talk about how Baker has to prove something, but it, it doesn't change anything. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it with this. One thing you want to see Baker. What, what is that thing Mary Kay, that you want to see Baker improve on? I, I know if you guys need time to think, I know what I, what I would say. I, I would say that I want to see him. We've seen how effective he is on bootlegs and things like that. Teams are going to take that away, especially the good defenses. So I just want to see him go back a little bit to bring up 2018 again, go back to being that guy who was so good navigating the pocket and really finding his receivers from the pocket. Look, he, he deals with being a guy who's six feet tall and that, that's always going to be an issue. And he's dealt with it his, his whole life, right? He dealt with it at Oklahoma. He's dealt with it in the NFL and the bootlegs and things like that help but I want to see him take that next step now as a guy that when defenses take that away, you're going to be able to punish them for that a little more. So I think that's maybe the next step in his development, at least in my eyes. Yeah, that that's, that's good. Some of the things I think I'd like to see him do a little bit better, maybe play a little bit faster, you know, get the ball out just a little bit quicker ID things uh, just a a little bit faster uh, from that standpoint. And I'd actually, you know, he, he does not get credit for being a, you know, an athletic mobile quarterback, but he really does a nice job with his feet. And so I think I would add a little bit more of that. I don't necessarily think it would be necessarily designed run plays per se, but I just think uh, continued taking advantage of the fact uh, that he's very shifty, very agile. He's not fast, but he's quick. And I think I would try to utilize that a little bit more. Hey, probably the biggest play of the regular season was a designed run for Baker Mayfield on a, a, a third <laughs> yeah. down against the Steelers. Uh, I agree with everything you guys said. I'll just add that I think they should he should sneak more and fumble less. <laughs> yeah, that sneaks too. work, and I'd rather see him sneak <laughs> than try to cram Nick Chubb, you know, through the middle of the line on third and one because Baker has a better uh, better success rate at that. These are just for reference. These are your longest time to throw on next gen stats. And you'll kind of see the trend. These are a lot of guys that run around uh, and try to make things happen. Jalen hurts was number one, Baker Mayfield, number two at 3.05, Josh Allen, uh, number three at 3.04, Lamar Jackson, number four, uh, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes. So those are the guys that Baker's sort of in a class with when it comes to the longest time to throw in the league. Partially offensive line, but also partially sometimes I think he drops back in the pocket and then he tries to extend the play maybe a little too quickly. And that goes to what you said, Mary Kay, maybe a few quicker 
plays where he gets the ball out quicker. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think Baker's ever going to be a guy that is like at the top of this list as far as shortest time. But I think you can get that thing down under three, maybe under 2.8. You're looking at an ideal situation. Okay. Well, that was efficient. That was quick for us. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your pods. And of course, it is Baker Mayfield Bark Week. And you're going to have to be a Football Insider subscriber to read some of that stuff that goes up on the site. So click on that blue banner at the top of the page to get more information and get signed up for that. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Come